Jeremiah. Go ahead and put the graphic up there in of the series that we've been in. It's been entitled Choices That Bring Change. Let me just pause real quick and say um, my wife had to step out. Usually she comes up and and, um, welcomes our guests. We've got guests with us today, and I'm so glad that you are here. hope that you'll make yourself at home in his presence. Got a lot of people away for this reason and that reason, but I'm sure glad you're here. And if you're a guest with us today, I'm sure glad that you're here and hope that you'll open up your heart and uh, receive what the Lord has to say today. This uh, this message is jam-packed, so uh, hold on to your seat. I'm going to try to get as much in as I possibly can. This series, we have called it Choices That Bring Change. Now, with the Lord's help, this will be. This is my next to the last next Sunday. Is I'm going to try to put a nice bow on this. I'm going to try to wrap it all up and, and bring it all to a focus. Um, and our our core verse there, as you can see, is let God remake you so that your whole attitude of mind is changed. And I won't go to the review review today because uh, I want to talk to you about the change agent about the change agent. What you may not be aware of is as you're sitting there, there is an invisible hand over your life. Now you may not yet, you could, where is it? No, it's invisible. And God has got you in his hands. You, right there. You are in God's hands and he's working and he's molding and he's shaping and I, I begin to take this thought through the scriptures and, and, and say, Lord, I, I keep hearing the, the term change agent, change agent. And then the Lord took me to Jeremiah, the 18th chapter, if you want to go there with me. Lessons from the potter's house. Oh, I love this. I love this passage. And I want to take you on a journey for the next few moments. I want you to go with me. If you, if you fall asleep, just pinch yourself. Um, lower, the, lower the air to where, you know, there's icicles hanging off. The, I know some of you don't like a cold room, but it keeps us awake. A, a dark, stuffy room is not a good place to be when you didn't sleep well last night. Amen. So I'm going to ask the Lord to quicken you and keep you alert, keep you awake. Because do you want to receive the word today? So you need, to, you need to, to activate yourself so you can receive. Jeremiah 18, verse 1, and we pick up there where this is the Lord speaking. He said, In the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, And there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel 
as seemed too good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord. Look, as the clay is in the potter's hands, so you are in mine, O Israel. Can you hold your Bible out there? Let's agree. Say this with me. Say, Father, we love your word. We thank you that your word became flesh and dwelt among us. So let your word take on flesh today. First in your messenger, may he speak the word. And we receive the word that we may be the word with flesh on it. Father, we love your word. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. And today, we will hear your word, we'll receive your word, and we will do your word. And you said, we'll be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. It's a very interesting passage, isn't it? God always uses the ordinary things to show extraordinary revelations. He always uses natural things to bring out the supernatural. If you understand when Jesus said he spoke in parables and and, and often he would use illustrations and parables and stories and what are parables? What, What is this story of the potter? It's an earthly illustration that reveals a heavenly reality. I want to say it again. It's an earthly illustration that reveals a heavenly reality. Now, we just prayed together. Now, I want to ask you to stay alert because as I take you through this passage, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you about going to the potter's house. You see, we need to be on the potter's will. Interesting thing about this passage At the beginning of, a little background about Jeremiah. At the beginning, if you read the beginning of Jeremiah chapter one, he says to him, he says, before you were in your mother's womb, I formed you. Another word is, is, I shaped you while you were in your mother's womb. If you'll recall, in the beginning, he said the earth was without form and void. And God spoke And he created light. And then he separated. His first act of creation was to separate light from darkness because there has to be always a contrast. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but that's next week. There's always got to be a contrast so you can see where you are and where you should be. And then the next thing he did that we see in the creative narrative is that he says, and he took the man and what? And he formed him from the dust of the earth, right? And now he says to the prophet Jeremiah, he says, I want you to rise, go back to the, ver- to, to the beginning part of that end. He says, now this is interesting. Look at what he says. He says, arise and go down. Come on, God has a sense of humor. He says, get up and get down. He says, is God a little confused? Actually, he's not because here's what he's saying in the beginning part of what he's saying through this prophet in this passage to us. 
when he says arise, what he's saying is that you've got to start moving. You can't sit where you are and arrive at where I want you to be. You've got to arise. You've got to start moving. I'm talking to people of God today that he says first to you, he says, I want you to arise. In other words, you've got to change positions. You've got to change locations. You've got to move from where you are to where I am calling you. So the first thing he says is I need for you to arise. But notice this. The next thing he says, he says, go down. You notice he doesn't say go up. Because if you want to find high places, you've got to go down. See, God opposes the proud. But the Bible says he gives grace to the humble. Anybody need grace in this house except for the little preacher? He says that he will give grace. He said, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may what? Lift you up. So the way up is down in the kingdom. If you want to be great, be the servant. If you want to do something great for God, humble yourself. So he says, I'm going to teach you a lesson, son. And where I need you to go is not go up. You don't go up to Wall Street. You don't go up to Washington, D.C. You don't go up to Hollywood or Nashville. You go down to the potter's house. And I'm going to speak to you through an ordinary thing. Listen, a potter's house in those days would be like Walmart's. There was a potter's house up and down the streets. Everybody knew where the potter's house was because it's one of the most amazing. You understand that when, the, when, they, when they finally, when, when, when civilization started making pottery, that it changed everything. Before then, they were nomadic tribes. They just went from here. They lived hand to mouth. And, you know, it was just an existence. Once they began to make pottery, they learned how to store things and they could carry their, their water from the well. They could store things in the market because the pottery began to function in a usefulness. It had a purpose for it and really it changed everything. So you had potter, potter's houses all over the city. It'd be like God saying today, see, he, he'll, he'll teach us something. He, he can even teach us something to little children. And, and he can, it's almost as if he's saying, I want you to go down to the Mapco and stand there and watch the cashier. And I'm going to speak to you. Watch what they do. Uh, I want you to go to, the, to, to Walmart and I want you to go down to the shoemaker or I want you to go, you know, I want you to go to the construction site, Jeff, and, 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 and show, I'm going, to, I'm going to speak to you about what you're going to see. And he goes down to the potter's house and he starts seeing what's going on and he says then I went down to the potter's house and I like that the new King Jimmy says and there he was have you found that Jesus is in some of the most unlikely places have you found that just when you weren't looking for him that's where he shows up and he says, and there he was. Now, you understand, Jeremiah is just obeying the Lord. He's looking at the potter. But do you, you and I see something different here? We're looking into the veil of the Spirit. And when, he, when, his, when it says, and there he was, you know who he is. He's in the potter. In fact, he is the potter. And it says, and he was making something at a wheel. And the vessel was made of clay, was marred in his hand. So this word of making and shaping 
It's interesting. It's the word there for uh, making or shaping is yatsar. It's a similar word to what was used when he formed the man from the dust. And when he said to Jeremiah, I formed you, I shaped you. So in other words, listen, listen, listen. God, God has an artistic imagination for you. God has a creative ability to look at you and say, I'm going to wire you and I'm going to embroider you. I'm going to shape and I'm going to yats are you because I have an intended end. I have a purpose for which I formed. I yats are you in your mother's womb. And, and, and I want you to put yourself in my hand because in that I have a, an expected outcome. I have something, uh, I have an end use of this product that I want to make. This is, put that slide up there, the potter and the clay. God has put you in his construction zone. When you put yourself on the wheel, you put yourself in the hands of a dynamic, living, loving God. And he has an intended purpose for you. Listen, I got to say this in case I forget it. A lot of people say, well, I don't know if I want to be on that wheel because you know what? It's not comfortable. You got somebody kneaded and prodding and he's punching and he's rolling and he's mashing. There's a good Southern word right there. And he's, he's, he's doing all this. It's like, and, and, and I have found to be on the wheel. It's not all that comfortable. Can I get a witness up in here? And yet, if, if you're not on the wheel, then you know what that says? You're none of his. Because the word says the, the work that he began in you, he will bring to completion. He says he is the author and the finisher of your faith. And he is the project manage, manager over this construction zone. He's working toward in. And listen, you are his, Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship. Another version says craftsmanship. The Greek word is poema. You are his handiwork. <laughs> I gotta say it, I can't pass it. Yes, you are a piece of work. Yes, you are. And you're fantastic. Oh, some of you don't even know who you are. I'm trying to stay up here on the stage and behave myself. Some of you don't even know who you are because I can tell it with the way you talk about yourself. I can tell it by the way you see yourself, by the way you carry yourself. If you knew who you were, you'd know I'm on the potter's wheel. I'm a working, you, hey, you think I'm something now? Wait till the potter gets through with me. I'm gonna rule over colonies I'm going to rule and reign with my God. I'm going to judge angels. Wow. She says, I'm the potter and you're the clay. Put that next slide up there. This is an actual uh, picture, a depiction of what this uh, apparatus looked like. You know, in the King James, the New King James, it says, and that he sent, and he, it says that he, um, what is that verse? He says, and uh, where is it? 
Hang on. Oh, yeah. It says, then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheel. But do you know the word there is actually plural? It means wheels. Do you see two wheels there? Because the old potter's uh, wheel had the actual plate that they set the piece of clay on, but he spun it with his foot. And notice he's the one that's in control of the wheel. It's dynamic. The word of God says in him we live and move and have our being. You see, right now there's a swirl going on around you. You are in a process. You are his workmanship. You are his project. And he is, he's making something of you that's truly amazing. How do we know? Because listen, he's not going to put junk in charge of things in heaven. He's not going to put somebody, you need to hear me now, he's not going to put somebody that's not qualified to do what he's called them to do. And so what does he do? He puts, he puts you on the wheel or you're placed on the wheel. And I, I just see here that he says, uh, you are in my hand. I love what the psalmist, he said, forsake not the work of your hand. You know, this this. This whole thing is what you're, you're picking up on is God is saying, I'm the change agent in your life. How many know you're changing? How many know that there are some people in this room who are changing for the better? And I, I don't know what to call anybody out, but there could be somebody in here that's changing for the worse. And the whole reason is you have not put yourself on the potter's wheel. Because somebody's motive, remember the verse that, that, that preceded the Romans 12, let God remake you? The previous verse said, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. You see, if you do not put yourself on the potter's wheel, the world will squeeze you to look like it. So you've got to say, God, I'm going to put myself on your will so that you can begin the process of changing me. And see, I believe that God is like, it's like he's, he's a father, isn't he? Do you believe that family best mirrors who God is? Where did the concept of the institution of family come from? The, the husband and the wife become one. The word says this is a mystery of Christ and his church. And, and then the father and the mother love their children and raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. They teach them, okay, here, honey, here is how, I'm gonna come off, Lord, I, 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 I'll be back. But honey, we, we, you've gotta learn how to discern good from evil. I want you to have the ability to see excellence in things because when you do things, you don't do them half-heartedly. You do them with excellence because there's excellence inside of you, honey. Do you understand? It's about how, to, how do you discern things? How do you make good decisions? And the other thing you tell your children is that, listen, I can't tell you everything about everything in life, but here's what I can tell you. I want to tell you where the source is, where you can find the knowledge that you need so at the time you need to make a decision, you can make a good one. And a good is to train your children up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. It says in Deuteronomy 6, it says that we're to impress his words uh, upon their heart. And, and when we rise up and when we lie down, we walk along the way. Train up a child in the way they should go. You hear the word coming at you this morning? Train, and when they're old, they won't depart. So 
family represents who God is. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So what is he? What is a parent? Are they not change agents? Are you not a change agent for your child? And so it best reflects who God is. And he says, I want you to come and place yourself on my potter's will. Now go to the next slide there. And he says there, he says, and the clay which was in the potter's hand, actually it says it was marred. Do you ever catch that when you read it? It said the clump of clay that was in the potter's hand was marred. It was marred. Here's what you got to understand. God didn't do the marring. When people look at that, they say, well, was, that, was, was that the effect of the potter? No, it says when the clay was put up on the wheel and he placed his hands on it, he looked and said, wait a minute. This piece of clay has come to me as it not expected. When it came to me, it arrived in a way that it shouldn't have. When it came to me, there were issues that were left undone. There were things that needed to take place, but they have not taken place. And now I have the clay in my hands and the potter looks at it and he says, it's, it's inferior. This is lacking. I can't work with this. I can't finish the product and the, ended, the, the expected end that I have for it in the condition that it's in. In medical terms, it says, God would say, you know, there's some pre-existing conditions in this clay. There, there's, there's some underlying problems that I've got to work out. Otherwise, if I try to finish this product with the clay that's on this, he said, I won't be able to complete it with excellence and I'm a God of excellence. And he said, I'm gonna work all things together for the good. So he places his hand and he goes, wait a minute, it's marred. It's it's." it's there's something not right about it. And so what does he do? He takes it and it says, and he uh, makes it another vessel. Sir, ma'am, if God sees what you place in his hands today is marred in his hands, he will look at you and say, I love you, but I love you too much to leave you as you are. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take you and I'm going to remake you because the person you're becoming, you can't become unless I start over again. So I've got to go back and I've got to take what you place in my hands and I've got to remake it. I've got to reshape it. I've got to form it again. You know, you can see up here, I've got a couple of illustrations. And like I said, I'm loaded today. Not that kind of loaded. I'm this kind of loaded. All right. It just feels a little warm in here to me. I don't know about y'all, but I'm kind of excited too. So please forgive me. But um, I don't know if y'all can see that from the back. I made this when I was at camp up in just outside of Asheville, North Carolina. Um, it's a blue jean mug. And this was one of our favorite things to do because we'd get up there and we'd work on these. How many of you know that for this finished product to be before us today, it had to go through a process? 
Anybody here ever worked with clay or ever done with that? Okay, then you, I may need to hand you the microphone here. Because you know, first of all, it had to be formed, didn't it? It had to be formed to shape. And there was, listen, there was a, an expected outcome. The potter knew what he wanted to look like before he put his hands on the clay. He knows what it looks like. The other thing is right, is that you, you, you paint it and you, you carve on it and then you what? You glaze it. Anybody ever done this before? You glaze it. And then what's the next step? Somebody? You fight. What? Oh, well, I thought God is good all the time. Oh, it's all good. God's good all the time and all the time is God good. And he's going to say, and I'm going to put you in the fire. Uh, anybody ever been in the fire? Look this way at the little preacher. It's not any fun. What do they say? You know, it, it, the, the heat in the kitchen. You know what I'm talking about? The fire, and then you jump out of the uh, fire into the frying pan. It's like, oh, oh, God, it's... But what he said, no, I'm, I'm having to put you in the kiln. I'm having to fire you because I've got, I've got something I want to do with you. Oh, this is what you got to catch of what God was saying to Jeremiah. By the way, I've got two because one I made for my mom. She's gone to heaven now. This one I made uh, for myself. You know, here's something we miss with not understanding pottery in that day. When they made a piece of pottery, it was meant to be used. So the potter is saying to Jeremiah, he said, what you see being formed is something oh, I wish I could come out there and just sit right down and get nose to nose with you because I want to use you. And guess what? The use that I have for you is not going to be the same as the person sitting next to you. I have a unique use for you. Now, here's an interesting thing. Now, catch this about the potter's wheel and the potter's house. They would use, actually use the stuff that they made. What do we do today? Exactly. And when we put it on the shelf, what are we saying? Uh, we, this is... I'm gonna, <laughs> thank you for the help. Uh, we're, we're saying that... Uh, this, is a, this is an Alabama term, ready? We're saying it's real nice. We don't want... What is that... Um, your nice china that you keep in the in the china cabinet. We we don't use that every day. We wait till the preacher comes over and we fry some chicken. Many a chicken gave in their life for the gospel. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but what when you put it up there, what are you saying? You're saying it's beautiful. And we don't, we don't really use things that are beautiful at our house. We admire it. We honor it. We put it up where you put it in lights. We put it in cabinets. Here's the amazing thing of what he does, the potter. When he creates a vessel, not only does he make it to be used, he also makes it beautiful. 
Psalm 149 says, he will beautify the meek with salvation. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, and he has made all things beautiful in his time. You're a beauty. Oh, come on. I, I needed a better amen than that. You say, well, <laughs> that's one of those parts of the sermon. It's like, should I say amen to that? Because if I say amen, that's gonna sound like I'm proud and I'm supposed to be humble. <laughs> Isn't that true? So you're beautiful. Amen. I'm gonna amen for you. But see, he says, I'm gonna take this and I'm gonna make it. And I'm gonna make it useful, but I'm also gonna make it beautiful. In other words, you're gonna be used and you're gonna be beautiful while you do it. And that's what he's seeing. He's saying, I want you to go to the potter's house and I want you to, to see what I'm gonna make because I'm gonna use it and I'm gonna beautify it. Go to the next one. You see here, and this is, I just got cups because this is where my mind went. The, the potter's working on it and he comes up with a cup. What does he say? He said, the psalmist said, my cup. That's you. My cup is overflowing, Lord. Why? Because of your goodness. Because of your promises. Because of your word. Because of your presence in my life. I am overflowing with him, but I'm the container. I'm a vessel of honor. I'm ready for the master's use. But you notice they're all different kinds. And I'm glad... I'm glad there's, I'm glad everybody's not like me. Amen. And I'm going to be truthful with you. I'm glad everybody's not like you. God likes red, yellow, black, and white. He likes Cajun food. I'm looking over there for a reason. It's jambalaya and etouffee. He likes Mexicano food, burrito, taco. That's, that's Spanish he likes mama's cooking. Come on, black-eyed peas and cornbread and mashed potatoes. Don't get me. I'm sorry. Help, help the preacher, Lord. <laughs> he likes variety. Why? Because look around. From one man, he formed all of us. From one man and woman. So don't, don't anybody say, well, God's colorblind. No, he's not. He likes color. He likes the variety. In fact, when the, we get to heaven, J John the Revelator saw it ahead of time. What he saw, we're going to actually see in future, uh, eternity future. He said, and I saw them from every tribe and every tongue and every nation, and they all stood before the throne, and they threw their crowns at his feet, and they began to sing, worthy are you, my, my, my. Go down to the potter's house, son, and I'm going to speak to you about what you're going to see there. See, here's, I see, I wrote this verse down, put it up there, Luke 20, 18. I have been in, listen, do you know how many messages you have heard since you've been in church, since you've been a Christian and sat in church? How many messages, how many sermons have you heard? Can you, have you ever heard a sermon on this one? This one will not pack a building because this is not one of those, oh, bless me now, Lord. This is one of those, are you kidding me? 
Jesus looking at the Pharisees, the religious folk, the legalists, and he says to them, okay, whoever falls on this stone will be broken. In other words, he's saying, you need to fall on this rock and you need to break before me so I can use you. But now watch this. But on whomever it falls will grind him to powder. Woo, hallelujah. Let's do a Jericho march right there. Doesn't that feel good? Woo, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You know, it's gonna fall on me and grind me to powder. You know, you're not getting any Holy Ghost chill bumps, are you, right now, are you? Because he says, Bill, give us options today. Here it is. Fall on the rock and be broken or it's gonna fall on you and crush you. There's your, there's your choice. All right? But note, he says when, he, when, the, when it was marred in his hands, a lot of times what it meant is maybe there was some callousness, some hardness, some stiffness. The clay was not pliable. It was not moist. And what it a lot of times meant is that he would throw it down and he would crush it. He said, I can't use what you've given to me, so I'm gonna have to remake it again. I love the story of the prodigal, how about you, that, that he, he goes away and he spends everything that he has and then he comes back. Well, actually, he's, he's there in a pigsty, right? And it says in verse 17, it says, and, and then he came to himself. <laughs> Have you ever come to yourself? Have you ever woke up even though you weren't asleep? See, something happened. He, he woke up, and notice what he says, and he said, and then he talked to himself. See, the most revealing thing about you is what you say to yourself in your head. He says, uh, how many of my father's hired servants, now, by the way, I just need to make, he says, notice it's a hired servant because people say the Bible endorses slavery. No, when the Bible addresses slavery, it, God is having to deal with a reality that men have created. We were not meant to be slaves. What he's saying, this is a hired servant. This is somebody who's, who's got a job at the man's house. And he says, he says to himself, uh, I, many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and, and to spare, and here I'm perishing with hunger. I will arise, get up. It's time to start moving, child of God. You see, he said, I can't stay where I am and be the son that I'm called to be. He said, he says, so he's talking to himself. Are you talking to yourself right now? What are you saying? Well, there's a change agent who's right there with his hands around you. And he says, I will arise and I will go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And then he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and uh, fell on his neck and kissed him. Oh, I wish I could just hang there, but I got, I've, got to, I've got to move. But listen, you understand, if he, would have, if he would have walked down the road and said, yo, daddy, you know, you got to give me my stuff. You know, I, I'm gonna come back. His dad said, you know, you, haven't, you need to go get back on the potter's wheel because you haven't learned your lesson. But there was something that happened when he came to himself. I like to say that he came to the end of himself. Do you know, listen, listen, listen. When you come to the end of yourself is where you find an expected end. You don't find yourself by looking in yourself. You find yourself by losing yourself. You don't save your life by seeking to save it. You save your life by losing it. 
And you'll never really find your life until you say, God, today I'm putting this clump of clay on that wheel up there. And I'm gonna let you start working in me. You know what I found about people? And go ahead and get that uh, video ready. Um, and by the way, this, this video, it's, um, it's an it's a, uh, animated, it's one of my favorites in my top five of cartoons. Uh, but I've learned that sometimes the most simple things can be the most profound. And here's what I've learned about people of 30 plus years of being a minister. And what I've learned about me is that you, listen now, you can't see yourself objectively by judging yourself within yourself. Do you know what God often has to do in order to show us who we are? He has to get us outside of ourselves so that we can see ourselves objectively. That's what this does. I, you know, when we show it here in just a minute, but let me give you a couple examples. Anybody watch the Christmas Carol? Remember O Ebenezer, O Eb Scrooge? Remember the, the, the ghost of Christmas past? What did he have to do? He had to take him back and he had to show old Scrooge who he was outside of himself. How about the angel Clarence in It's a Wonderful Life? Old George Bailey, he couldn't see who he was and he couldn't see the value of his life so the angel had to take back and show him what his life would have been without him being there. Think about that one. And by the way, there was a Mr. Potter involved. You say, oh, come on, Bill. Watch this. David sins against the Lord. He goes in and he commits adultery with Bathsheba. And in order to cover it up, here's a man after God's own heart. Did you know God can use imperfect men and women? Do you think God knew that he was going to do what he did? And yet he says, he's a man after my own heart. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And not only did he commit adultery with her, he, he had her husband murdered to cover it up. Now watch. He sends a prophet, Nathan. Did you notice what Nathan did? He didn't come right up to David and confront him. You have sinned against the Lord. You're adulterer. You had her husband killed. Does anybody remember what he did? He comes to him and he says, I need to tell you a story, David. He said, there was this man who had this huge little lamb. And he said, this rich man came and he took his little lamb and he stole it from him. And after he went through the whole scenario, David boiling with anger, the justice inside, he's able to look at the story objectively and say, this is wrong. And he said, this man should be judged. This man has done wrong. And Nathan looks back at him and says, and thou art the man. I just showed you yourself outside of yourself. And I think this is one of my own, and by the way, the book I'm writing on Father Hunger, I've got, I'm writing on this scene because if you've not seen Despicable Me, it is an awesome, awesome movie. Let me set the scene up for you. All right, can I get a witness out there? I, or, come on, there ain't no religious folk in here. All right. Here, Gru is wanting to be the most famous villain in all the world. Oh, Gru is so cool. And yet to outdo his competitor, Vector. 
He's got to go and steal the mechanism that he got because he wants to shrink the moon in order to be the greatest villain of all time. But he figures out that what he can do, and here's why I've included in the story about fatherhood, he goes to three little orphan girls and who's selling Girl Scout cookies. And he's going to use them to try to get into Vector's house so he can steal this apparatus from Vector. And so he... He, he, he manages to accomplish his mission. He gets the little girls. He goes through the adoption process. He manages to get in. And now we pick up in the scene. He's on the way back to take him home. And he's trying to think now. Watch. He's trying to think. I, I'm, I'm, I've done, I'm done using these girls. I need to get rid of them because I'm the big bad villain. And as they're going down the road in his really cool car, they see a carnival. They see a fair. And by the way, if you've never seen the movie, if you haven't seen it, this scene is the pivotal point of the whole movie because you're going to watch him change right before your eyes, but I want you to watch what changes. Let's get the lights, and here it is, Despicable Me. But what about the other people who ordered cookies? Life is full of disappointments. But what about the other people who ordered cookies? Life is full of disappointments. For some people. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. Super Silly Pilot! Can we go, please? No. But we've never been, and it's the funnest place on Earth. Don't care. Please! please. We'll never ask for anything. Please, uh, please. Come on, come on. Light bulb. For the fluffy unicorn. Oh, <laughs> well, it is not for sale, but all you gotta do to win it is knock down that little spaceship there. <laughs> it's easy! 
great. Oh, come on, one more time. Just one more. I accidentally closed my eyes. She hit that. I saw that with my own eyes. Hey, buddy, let me explain something to you. You see that little tin spaceship? You see how it's not knocked over? Do you know what that means, Professor? It means you don't get the unicorn. Oh! Uh-oh, somebody's got a frowny face. Ooh, better luck next time. Okay, my turn. Can I get an amen? It took the heart of an orphan child to turn the heart of a villain. The Bible says in the last days he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the children to their fathers. That's why that's about fatherhood. But notice what else happened. That At that point, if you've seen the rest of the movie, he changes. They become his daughters. And he becomes the provider and protector. Why? Because in order to change, you've got to see yourself outside of yourself. And the only one that can do that is the change agent. Amen? I got one more for you. This one's a little more spiritual. All right? Um, here's what I want you to do. I want you to sit back and I want you to reflect on what we've learned here today because I'm just going to let the video speak to you in and of itself because what you're going to see is unfold visually before your eyes what I've tried to describe for you today you are that piece of clay and you place yourself on that wheel and on that wheel divine hands come on you to begin to mold and to shape so that you can become a useful and beautiful vessel. So as we wrap up today, I want you to look at this and let what happened to Jeremiah happen to you now. He said, child, he said, son, daughter, I want you to rise up and I want you to go down to the potter's house and there I will speak to you and I will say, "Is are you not in my hands like this piece of pottery and can I not do with you what I want to I want you to reflect on that
I find interesting about that picture is that God's hands gets into our business. Have you ever heard somebody say, I don't, I don't want to get my hands dirty and messing with their, their problems. When he took on flesh, when he took on clay, he put his hands on you and says, I'm going to get involved in your business. I'm going to get involved in changing you. You see, for a lot of you, you're like me. I couldn't change myself. I had to come to the place, and please bear with me, that 24 years ago, you're looking at a, a young man. At that time, I was 20 years of age. I had a seven-year drug addiction. I came from a broken home, dysfunctional. I was messed up. I had dropped out of high school. I had been in jail twice. Everybody looking at me from the outside said, he's damaged goods. He's bad seed. He's not going to turn out very well because look at his family. The road ahead of him is going to be very bad. And the potter looked and said, I can take marred pieces of clay. And, and for all the times that I said, I don't like what's happening in my life, the, the, my, my habits, my addictions, my behavior, they're bringing back a lot of pain in my life. They're bringing back a lot of discouragement. And I've said, I'm going to change tomorrow. Monday morning, I'm going to get up and I'm going to start over again. By Monday night, I was the same as I was the week before and the week before that. Not until I, changed, I came to the change agent. And I said, God... I've really made a mess of this. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And God, I, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I can't change myself. But Lord, if you'll take a 20-year-old whose life is a wreck and I'm headed nowhere, God, I know I may not be worth a lot. I know I've really made a mess of it. But God, will you take this clump that I'm going to put on your will and will you work with it? And God says, you see, I'm the potter you're the clay and I can make with you something so much better than you could have done for yourself and so here's my lesson to you from the potter's house is that today where are you are you on the potter's wheel are you in the place to where he wants you to be to where he can change you I want to finish with this graphic. Put that, put that wheel up there. The, 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 I sat down with this and I thought, you know, this is what that is. This is the potter's wheel and it spins. The first place he starts is with your private world. It's an inside job. In order for you to become the person you need to be, the first place he starts is in your mind and in your heart. And he's molding and he's shaping and he's making it because you can't be who you're called to be unless it starts in your private world. I believe if you were, let me just be honest with you, if you were to come real close and investigate my private world, can I tell you what you'll find? I've got some messy corners. Hello. I've got some undone places. I've got some places inside my private world that I don't really want other people to see. Am I being a little too real? Are there some places inside of you 
that you say, I really don't want to bring that out in public because that's really been an issue, a struggle between God and me for a long, long time. God says, I'm going to put you on the wheel and I'm going to spin it, but I'm going to start with your private world. But notice where he works to the second phase of this potter's wheel is he goes to your present reality. That's not what we intend to be. That's not what we want to be. He looks at your life. You ever you met people, oh, I do all the time, especially as a pastor, that try to pretend that there's something they're not. They're playing the theater. They're playing the actor. Oh, I'm this. But in reality, if you look at them brutally honest, they're not what they claim to be. Their private self does not match their public self. And the potter comes in and says, we got to fix that because your private world has got to match your public world. And I've got to bring your present reality in line with what my will is. You see, you've got to be in process of his accomplishment. He's got to bring you to the place where he makes you beautiful and he makes you useful. But it doesn't stop there. He takes you to the third place, and this is all before us. My future possibility. Child of God, look at me. With all my heart, I want you to know that something, the potter's hands are on you and he's looking into your life right now. Do you understand? The change agent never works from the present. The change agent never works from the present. He always works from the future. And and he knows, I know the plans that I have for you. And he goes out in your future and he says, Oh, if you could see the potential that I've put inside of you and as I mold and I shape, I know what it's going to, and you're going to like how this turns out, but put yourself on the wheel. But notice it doesn't stop there because it's, if when you breathe your last breath or we hear that shout and that trumpet and we go up to the Lord, guess what? That's not the end of you. That's the beginning Eyes not seen, ears not heard. The things that God has prepared and planned for you, do you know how great you are? That is how the greatness in you can be molded and shaped if it's put on the potter's wheel. And he takes it and on a daily basis, he spins it. He says, I want to get into your private world. I want to shape it like I did from the ground, like I did in the mother's womb. He said, I want to get into where you are right now. I know you struggle. I know you're not perfect. But see, I bought into you when I already knew that. I was the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. And I'm there working with you to make that right. Because why? Because I'm preparing you for a future that looks good for an expected end. Because when you get there, you're going to see, you're going to rule and reign with me in eternity. And let God's people say amen. Let's stand together. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise if you receive this this morning? Thank you. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Lift your hands with me. Oh, God, you are the potter. And we are the clay. Oh, Lord, today we take ourself, we take our mind, and we set it on that wheel. We take our heart, the very core of us. We take the things that we love, our appetites, our affections, the things that we desire, the things that we dream about, the things that we have visions about. God, our ambition, the things that we long to be. And God, we place it on that wheel today. Mold us and shape us 
into your image and into your likeness. Oh God, we just receive that right now. Come on now, just let those invisible hands come on. You say it. I was leading you in prayer, but you now release it. See, God can't release what is in his hands until you release what is in yours. Holy Spirit, you are the change agent. You've come to lead us into truth and give us an expected outcome. So we come today and we willingly place ourselves on your will. And Lord, we want you to make of us a vessel of honor ready for the master's use. And we know that you will not forsake the work of your hand. Aren't you glad that he hasn't forsaken the work of his hands? You will finish what you started. And so we willingly, we joyfully keep ourselves on your will so that you can finish what you started. Now look this way.